Thank you, choir. Yeah, I became a, a Christian uh, the summer of uh, 1992, which was the summer before my uh, 11th grade year in high school. And so uh, over the past, I guess, 25 years now of being a Christian, I've noticed something, uh, and this isn't true of everybody, but I noticed that there's a tendency among some of us to make things more complicated than they really are. Have you ever run into this or people that do this? Um, You know, we just tend to make things more complex, especially when it comes to knowing God and walking with God. We can make these very these things very complex. And I was reading an article here recently, and this is what the author said. He wasn't talking about Christianity, but it ties into what I'm talking about. He says, and this this is his word, not mine right here. I don't even know if this is a word, but complexifiers. Okay, so you can look that up later, but. It's his word, not mine. Complexifiers, he says, are adverse to reduction. Their instincts are to turn simple assignments into quagmires and to reject simple ideas until they're buried or asphyxiated in layers of abstraction. They take pride in consuming more bandwidth, time, and patience than needed and expect rewards for it. So those are the complexifiers. On the other hand, you have what are called simplifiers. And these people strive on concision. They find ways to communicate complex ideas in simple terms without losing the idea's essence or power. And so, are you a complexifier or a simplifier? Uh, I'll let you figure that out. Or you can ask someone who knows you and they may tell you. Um... But anyway, some people just tend to make things more complex than they need to be. And others seem to have this ability to make things very simple. Even huge, major concepts make them simple and easy to understand. And I wonder, what has your experience been with Christianity? Would you say, pretty complex? <laughs> or would you say, it's, it's pretty simple? You is becoming a Christian, knowing God, is that something that is complex? Or is that a very simple concept? And what I have experienced and observed just talking with people is that many of us tend to make this more complex than it needs to be. And we're not the only ones. I believe even in the early church, the first century church, people were making it more complex than it needed to be. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul and others wrote the letters that we have in the New Testament to help bring some clarification. And usually what they were doing is trying to bring people back to the truth of the gospel because we were trying to make it more complex and adding things in there that should not be in there. And this is why the Apostle Paul and others wrote the letters that we have. And so this morning I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I hope will clarify and simplify what Christianity is all about. And so the passage is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, which is located on the page, uh, I think, 1002 of the Pew Bible. If you don't have one, you can use the one right in front of you there in the Pew, uh, 1002. Or you can pull it up on your Bible app. I'm sure you may have one of those too uh, on your phone. But, or you can just listen as I read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 17. And I want to read it in the message translation this morning because I want to uh, help you to grasp the concept here. And sometimes when we read passages of Scripture in a translation we're used to, 
uh, sometimes the meaning gets lost because of the familiarity. So listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14-17. Paul writes, Our firm decision is to work from this, this focused center. And what he's talking about is, uh, other versions translate this, uh, the love of Christ compels us or controls us. So the love that God has for us in Christ is our focused center. So our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at Him that way anymore. Now, we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. And so in this short passage, Paul summarizes what Christianity is all about. And I believe it is very simple. And I like simple things. First thing he tells us is that Jesus died for everyone. Look at verse 14. One man died for everyone. Very simple. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. And so what we need to understand is that Jesus' death is sufficient to deal with all the things we have done wrong as well as all the things that we have failed to do right. His death is sufficient. In other words, Jesus' death is sufficient to deal with our sin and brokenness. It is sufficient to to break down the wall that separates us and God. And it's that simple. Second thing he tells us is that Jesus offers us a new beginning, a new life. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, He, meaning Jesus, included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. And so what he's saying here is if we receive what Jesus offers through his death, namely the forgiveness of our sins, then we also receive what he offers through his resurrection, which is eternal life, this new life he's talking about here. Verse 17 says it this way, and maybe you're familiar with this version of this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, All things are new. Jesus has done everything that needed to be done in order for us to have a fresh start, a new beginning with God. He's done everything that is required for us to be made right with God. It's that simple. Jesus died for us. He took care of our problem, our brokenness, our sin, our separation. He was resurrected from the dead, which is what we're celebrating today, Easter. And as you know, as Christians, we celebrate that every day. But uh, today gets a little more special emphasis. And we're celebrating it today. This new life in Christ that He offers us. So He dies for our sins. He was raised from the dead. He offers us this new life, this eternal life. 
And he's done everything for us so that we can be made right with God forever. And third, Paul says here that we have a decision to make. At least that's what he says about himself, that he had to make a decision. Look at verse 16. Paul says, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. And what he's saying is, when he became a Christian, he began to see the world completely differently than he did before. And that's what happens. When you come to Christ and you begin to know God, then you begin to see the world that God has made differently than you did before. And he says, you know, when I made that decision to follow Christ, things changed. How I looked at the world changed. How I looked at life changed. He goes on to say, he says, we looked at the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. And many of us can relate to what Paul's saying here. He's saying that, you know, he knew about Jesus. He knew some things about Jesus, but Paul did not know him as his Lord and Savior. In other words, Paul didn't see him as sent from God. Paul didn't see him as someone dying for his sins, raised from the dead, offering new life with God. Paul didn't see him that way, even though Paul knew some things about Jesus. Don't get me wrong. He knew Jesus in some ways, but he didn't know Him as Savior. He didn't believe that Jesus was the only way for him to be made right with God. He didn't believe that. And you know, we're all like Paul in some sense, in that everybody in this room knows something about Jesus. We know something about Him. That's why you're here. Uh, If you don't, you still know something about it, because I just told you about Him. So you know something. Everybody knows a little bit of something about who Jesus is. And Paul was the same way. He knew about Jesus. He knew some things about Him, but he didn't know Him as Savior. He didn't embrace Him for who He truly is. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, yes, we're here this morning. Yes, we're singing. Yes, we're listening. But do we believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord? We know about Him. We make it even tell the Easter story to some degree, we know some things about Him, but do we believe that He came and died for our sin? He was buried. He was raised in order to give us new life. Do we believe that? Do we believe that He is our Savior? And Paul says that he once knew some things, but there came a point in his life where he began to see Jesus for who He really is, and He is the Savior of the world. And Paul says that he was wrong, and that's what he says in the verse. We looked at Jesus one way, and we were wrong. But we don't look at Him that way anymore. That's what he says in the passage. He says, now we look inside. This is how he's looking at himself and others now. He says, we look inside and we see that if anyone is united with the Messiah, you're united with Christ, you're in Christ then you get a fresh start. You're created new. The old life is gone. The new life burgeons. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Jesus has died for our sins. He's been raised to new life, this eternal life. And now he offers it to me, offers it to you. All of the gospel can be summarized in two words. In Christ. That's why Paul loves this phrase. In Christ. It's all about being in Christ. 
But Paul does say, and he's mentioning himself here, we all have a decision to make. You're not automatically in Christ. You have a, you have a choice to make. I mentioned this earlier, you know, when I, you know, I became a Christian the summer before my 11th grade year in high school. Well, something else significant happened to me that year. Um, there was a girl named Celia. Maybe some of you know her. She was moved into my 11th grade U.S. history class. And one thing led to another. And I asked Celia out on a date. And then another date. And then junior prom, senior prom, which I know a lot of prom things are going on now. So I asked her to the proms and uh, went off to college and uh, continued to date through college. And as we neared the end of our college experience, I decided to ask Celia to marry me. And so the summer of our engagement, or our possible engagement, I worked several jobs. Because you know what I had to do, right? I had to buy the ring. And so I had to work several jobs. And I uh, had to try to save up the money for this ring. I did that. And then I planned a romantic day. Which I, at least I think it is. I mean, maybe you don't think that way. But we'll see. Tell me what you think. This is what I planned. Okay, I began the day. I, I came over to her parents' house. And they can testify to it. They're sitting right here. I went over to her, their house early that morning. And prepared breakfast for her. Because I think she had summer, a summer school class she was taking somewhere. USC Aiken or something. So anyway, I came over early, prepared breakfast. Okay? And of course, she knew something was up by this point. Uh, because I'm not a morning person. So that was happening. And then she went off to, to class. Came back and I took her to lunch at the Seven Gables restaurant. Which burned down. It's no longer there. <laughs> That has nothing to do with my marriage whatsoever, I guarantee you. So, just a little fact. So, if you're thinking, if you're getting hungry and me talking about restaurants, I might try that out. You can't do it. It's gone. It's forever gone. But that's where we ate lunch. And then, after that, we, uh, I took her to the place where we met. Our U.S. history class at North Augusta High School. Why are you laughing? I was looking more for a... Oh, isn't that nice? That's all right. It's okay. Well, it's summertime, so the school was empty, and I received permission. Okay, I didn't break in there. They gave me permission to use the class classroom. Um, I can still remember it in the back hall, just to the right, Miss Bledsoe's class. And so we went back to the classroom, and we read some scripture together. I presented her a scrapbook chronicling you know, our dating days. It's not too bad, right? Now you just kind of flip through Facebook and say, this is it. This is what we did right here. Yeah. But I actually had to like, develop pictures and put them in a photo album. So this took a little more effort. And then I got on one knee and I asked her to marry me. Now, up to this point, everything's going well, right? I have done everything that has needed to be done in order... To walk away from this place, an engaged person. But one thing needed to happen, right? It takes two. It takes two. One has to ask, and one has to agree. And so I got down on one knee, and I asked Celia to marry me. 
And of course, you know the rest of the story. If you, if you know me or you've been around us any time, she's sitting right here. So she said yes, and, uh, and we've been married for uh, a, good, a good while. <laughs> you know, several years. But anyway, I, I share that story. I share that story because in a similar way, and actually in a much greater way, What I'm trying to show you is this is how simple Christianity is. Jesus has done everything necessary for you to enter a relationship with God. Everything. He has done it all. He has died on the cross, lived a perfect life, and He was raised from the dead. He has done everything necessary for you to have eternal life. And now He offers it to you, He offers it to me. But there's one thing lacking and still that needs to happen. That is, you have to want it. You have to say yes. See, love cannot be forced. And therefore, we have a choice. We can receive this gift that He offers us, or we can reject it. And it's that simple. I mean, that is the gospel. That is, that's what Christianity is all about being in Christ. And so the question is this. You know, what will your choice be? And maybe you've made this choice before. But what will your choice be? When you die, will you be found in Christ or outside of Christ? Do you want to know God or do you not? I mean, do you, do you want your sins forgiven or do you not? Do you want to begin a new life with God? Or do you not? It's, it's really that simple. And so here's how we're going to just close our service this morning. I'm going to ask Jan to just play through our final hymn a few times before we stand and sing our hymn of response and our final hymn. And I want to give you just an opportunity because, you know, a lot of activity can be going on today. I mean... Don't even get me started on if you're trying to have a family picture done. I'm just sorry about that. Hopefully you didn't do that yet, or you're probably just needing forgiveness. But, um, but it's, a, it's a day full of activity. You know, lunch, plant, all this kind of thing. But I just want to pause just for a couple minutes and give you an opportunity just to consider what your next step is with God. And there's a next step card here in your bulletin. Uh, we had this put in here just for you just so you can think through and process this over the next few minutes. And I want to challenge you to fill it out. And while she is playing, I want you to mark your next step. If, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then perhaps that is, that is your next step. And there's a suggested prayer uh, right underneath your card there. You know, if I was just thinking to myself, if I, if I did not know Christ today, and I wanted to express my desire to know Him personally, what would I say? And so this is the prayer that just came to my mind. This is how I would express that desire to God. It's not so much the words, it's the desire. You're communicating to God what you want. And so that is a sample prayer. And so I, I just want to encourage you, um, if your desire is to know God personally through Jesus Christ, then I want you to take the next few moments and pray that prayer to God. And then I want you to mark that box that you have chosen to follow Christ. Now for others of you, You're in Christ. But you may find yourself being 
what may be called a Lone Ranger Christian. Not connected. You're not connected to the body of Christ, the local body of Christ. And maybe you've just kind of been, you know, floating out there in, a, in Augusta land, you know, and uh, not connected to a local body. And maybe your next step is to join our church here as we link arms to love God together, to love people together, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ together. Or maybe you want more information about following the Lord in baptism. Maybe you've come to Christ, but you've never followed the Lord in baptism. And you'd like more information about that, and you'd like to do that. Maybe that's your next step. Or maybe you'd like more information about our small group Sunday school classes, where you can know others and be known and study the Bible together and pray together and get to know people. Or maybe there's something else God is putting on your heart. We just kind of left something blank there, a line blank, where you can just kind of fill that in, uh, whatever God may be laying on your heart, as you consider what is your next step with God in this new life that He gives us in Christ. So I'm going to ask Jan to play as we consider our next step. And then after the benediction, after our, our hymn and our benediction, I want you just to, you can fold the card or do whatever you like to with it and then hand it to the ushers as you leave today. And also, as you do that, we have this guest bag. If you're a guest this morning with us, uh, there's like a coffee tumbler in here and some information about our church. This is for you, our little Easter gift for you. Uh, Just turn in that card, grab a bag on your way out, and uh, hope that will bless you in some way. And so now as Jan plays, uh, consider what your next step should be.